This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. Hello, I'm Ann Romer, and welcome back to How Money Works with Hem Bot. We are presenting the second episode in this series designed to further your financial literacy and to help you ensure your money is working for you. In episode one, we looked at the importance of a financial needs analysis. We explored the rule of 72, income protection, and four ways to earn income. If you missed it, it is available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This will be an enlightening and exciting episode of How Money Works. We're going to look at very closely three saving strategies, starting with retirement planning. We shall delve into pensions, government or otherwise, RRSPs, TFSAs, and the new kid on the block, the first home savings account. So whether you're just starting out, you're midway through your career, or you are edging ever closer to retirement, there's something for everyone in this episode of How Money Works. With me again and leading our education is Hem Bot from Primerica. Hem has 10 years of financial services experience under his belt and has the knowledge we need to make better financial decisions. He's built a career around understanding money, the role it plays in our lives, and how to keep more of it. Here's what I want you to know about Hembot. He has a Bachelor in Business Admin in Accounting and Taxation, a Master's Certificate in Project Management, an LLQP, and he completed courses in Canadian Investment Funds and Branch Management from the IFSE Institute. With all of this, Hem has developed a brilliant seminar series called How Money Works, which he shares with both professionals and beginners and now with us today. Hembot believes in life balance, disciplined spending, smart saving, and setting life priorities. Husband, father, community leader, Hem has faced many of the same challenges we all have tackled. He has thrived to be in a place where he can describe his life as wonderful, and it is Hem's firm belief that you too can thrive. That belief makes his advice and this series compelling listening. Hem, it's always great to be with you. I look forward to this episode. Let's start at the end. We'll talk about retirement planning. Can you expand on what exactly retirement planning entails? So for retirement planning, what we need to consider is what do you want to do? That is the first thing. Number two is how much money will you need? Number three is how much do you have now? And number four is how much are you saving on a regular basis? So where is retirement income going to come from is there are various ways. Number one is the government plans like CPP, old debt security. So that basically uh, dictates your total annual income once you're retired. Number two, you might have a company pension. So sometimes uh, some employees, when they have worked for a company where they have offered the uh, pension plans, they have those pension plans. But my question is, then do you have one? because not every employees have that. And number three is the addressing the savings gap. So why I say that, because government pensions may not be enough and company pensions may not be enough or you don't have one. So Canadians will need to find ways to address the shortfall. And the shortfalls are to reduce the desired income in retirement, work or number two is work longer and retire later because you have to or increase your personal savings. Let's start with RRSPs. We think we know a lot about them, we regular civilians when it comes to finances, but we don't. So can RRSP contributions reduce taxes? 
RRSP is an account that provides tax benefits for saving for retirement, and savings are tax deferred and grow until you withdraw them. When you are potentially in a lower tax bracket, uh, so so that's that. Now there are ways where yes, contributing into an RRSP it can reduce the taxes. So RRSP contributions can defer and potentially lower the total amount of income tax payable. Who is eligible to contribute and when do you contribute? Most Canadian taxpayers can contribute to an RRSP up until the December 31st of the year you turn 71. And you're eligible if you declared earned income in the previous tax year and filed a tax return. So we are in 2024, and now when you file the tax return for 2023, that's when you're eligible for and have unused contribution room from uh, previous years. Because the good thing about RRSP, that whatever you are not able to contribute on an annual basis, it carries forward. And how much can you contribute on an annual basis? So that is completely based on someone's income, and everybody knows about that based on their notice of assessment. So they should refer back to the notice of assessment, and that tells them exactly how much money they can contribute into RRSP. What exactly, Ham, is a spousal RRSP? Spousal RRSP is an account that allows the plan holder spouse to make contributions on the plan holder's behalf. So typically, spousal RRSPs are open in the name of the lower-income spouse or common-law partner, and contributions are made by the higher-income spouse or common-law partner who can receive the tax deductions. When funds are withdrawn from the spousal RRSP at retirement, they may be taxed at a lower rate. What if you need to withdraw from your RRSP before you turn 71 by December 31st of that year? What happens? If you withdraw your RRSP, then you have to pay applicable tax on it uh, because the, the whole concept about the RRSP is you contribute into RRSP, you get the tax refund based on the marginal tax bracket. And when you withdraw the money, whether before you're retired or after you're retired, you have to pay, pay the taxes accordingly. What if I want to put a down payment on a home? Can I access my RRSPs for that and not be hit with taxes? Down payment for the home is uh, you can, I mean, again, like I said, RRSP is meant for the retirement. It is not meant for uh, like an emergency savings or it should not be like, I need the money now and I can just get into my RRSP and withdraw the money. Because you have to understand your tax implications uh, by withdrawing the money from RRSP. What happens to the RRSP when it's time to retire? So when you retire, the RRSP, it is still there for you and now you decide that you're retired and how much money you want to take out of your RRSP. And then that's how you can keep taking money out of your RRSP. And so the magic number is age 71. Does it? Does the RRSP have to be converted into something else once you turn 71? That is correct. So RRSP stays like RRSP until you turn 71, which is the December 31st of when you, the year you turn 71. And once it is done, then it gets converted into RIF. 
Let's talk about another set of letters, TFSA, tax-free savings account. So what exactly is a TFSA? So TFSA is a tax-free savings account, just the way you said. And it allows you to save money each year without paying any tax on the investment income. Now, that is interest, capital gain, or dividend income you earn. And there are so many things you can save for by using a TFSA. It might be to renovate your home, buy a cottage, go on a vacation, or save for child's wedding or your retirement. It could even be just to have emergency funds readily available. And why would someone invest in, an, in a TFSA rather than an RRSP? So TFSA and RRSP, they both are different strategy, first of all. And I think sometimes people get confused with it. When you contribute into RRSP, you get the tax refund based on your marginal tax bracket, and your accountant should be able to tell you that. And uh, when you withdraw money from RRSP, then you have to pay the applicable tax. TFSA money, the contribution, is after the taxes you have paid. So that money goes in, that gets invested, whatever income you earn within the investment portion of it, until you have that TFSA, when you are ready to redeem the funds from TFSA, there is no tax on it. Let's do rapid fire. So contribution deadline and contribution limit. We're still talking about TFSAs. So contribution deadline is the December 31st of the calendar year. So this is different than, uh, again, uh, for many other investments. So what people need to understand is there is a contribution room which is defined by the government each year regardless of your income. And based on that contribution, you can make that contribution as a lump sum or you can make that contribution on a monthly basis. But you can once you know what the deadline is and what the contribution should be, you can divide that amongst all those 12 months, and then that's how you can contribute it. TFSA, minimum age, and maximum age. So minimum age is uh, 18. Someone has to be 18 to open the TFSA, and uh, the maximum, there is no age. What about impact on other government benefits? So there, are, there is no impact on the other government benefits. So some people also think about if I contribute into TFSA, and if I'm already, let's say, uh, getting Canada Child Benefit, or maybe I'm just getting OAS, which is old age security, there might be an impact, but technically there is no impact. So I'll just give you kind of a quick rundown is someone is receiving GIS, which is Guaranteed Income Supplement, or Canada Child Benefit, Working Income Tax Benefit, Goods and Services Tax Credit, Age Credit, all the security benefits, employment insurance benefit, all of these has no impact whatsoever if you choose to open up TFSA. Is there such a thing as a spousal TFSA? There is no spousal TFSA, uh, but spouses can give each other money to contribute to their own TFSA as long as it is within the maximum allowed, like I said before. And TFSA assets can be transferred to a spouse tax-free upon death. Well, let's talk about that, successor versus beneficiary. When you uh, open the TFSA, you have an option that how you want to define it. So what the successor is that only spouses or common law partners can be successor holders. That is the one thing. Okay. 
beneficiary, you can designate anybody as, as a beneficiary. It could be your kids, your whatever, your family members, right? And successor holder, what basically happens that no additional paperwork required when it comes to the, the successor holder piece and the TFSA contribution limit of spouse or common law partner is not affected in the event it has to be transferred over to the spouse or common law. Let's move to first home savings account, FHSA. Is this something relatively new, Hem? It is very new. Government actually announced this program in 2023. And it's a great program, in my opinion, because it is a hybrid version of RRSP and TFSA. Can you give us a bigger explanation about what it is, how it works? What the uh, first home savings account is that to open that account, the first thing you need to understand is you have to be an individual resident of Canada. Number two is you have to be at least 18 years of age. And number three is you have to be first-time home buyer. So if I am qualifying to participate in the FHSA, what is necessary? How do I know how to do that? Okay. So first thing is to qualify as a first-time home buyer, you or your spouse or common law partner did not own a qualifying home that you lived in as a principal place of residence. That's the number one. Number two, at any time in the year the account is open or the preceding four, four calendar years, okay? So it is important to note that the principal resident doesn't have to be in Canada. So an immigrant to Canada may have to wait five years to qualify as a first-time home buyer if they sold their principal resident residence immediately before coming to Canada. So let's talk about love and marriage in this one. If I qualify as a first-time home buyer and I open an FHSA account, I'm now moving in with or I'm marrying someone who owns the house we'll be living in. So what happens to my FHSA? Okay, so before I get into that, let me just kind of uh, remind again every listeners that the holder must be Canadian resident, at least 18 years old, and will attest on the application that they are the first-time home buyer, okay? So not anyone can walk in and they can claim I'm a first-time home buyer. And as you also need to be first-time home buyer to qualify for a tax-free withdrawal, you will be asked to confirm that on the withdrawal form as well. So there are checks in place, okay? And uh, to qualify, basically, if your spouse or common law partner owns your principal residence, you cannot open a new FHSA but can keep any pre-existing FHSA. Remember that you also have to qualify as a first-time home buyer to do a tax-free withdrawal. So if the principal residence is sold, you could use the FHSA to purchase a new principal residence five years later, provided you qualify as a first-time home buyer and your FHSA account hasn't been open for more than 15 years. Hem, what is the most obvious benefit when it comes to the FHSA? So FHSA is a great combination of the RRSP and the TFSA. It's the hybrid version. So what happens, like I said, is when you contribute in our, into RRSP, it's the tax-deductible contributions, when you contribute into TFSA, your growth is tax-free, 
And when you redeem the funds, it is also tax-free. And FHSA provides both of that, okay? So RRSP and FHSA are two separate plans. You have to understand that as well. Just like TFSA is completely separate too. And to open this FHSA, the main criteria is that you qualify as a first-time home buyer. So mm. this will not impact my RRSP contribution limit? It will not. And what about, we love the, to talk about the spousal, uh, the spousal FHSA, if you can try to explain that. You know, I'm new to this, and, and I'm all ears, Hem. There is no version of the spouse, I mean spousal version of the TFSA, just like that. There isn't a spousal version of the FHSA. And the only person who can contribute to this program is the owner of the account. But you can give the money to your spouse, and they would then contribute it and get the tax deductions. So many families, it can work out uh, in a way that you can always give the money to other spouse, and that's how they can, that, that can be done. It's the same with your children. So let's say you have a child who is 18 and over. You can give them the money but then they will be the owner of the account, and therefore they can claim the tax direction. I have a question for you. If you open an FHSA last year, 2023, but you don't contribute in 2023 or even this year, 2024, how much can you contribute next year, 2025? So that would be $16,000. Why? So let's look at how we came to that number. So one is the contribution room starts accumulating once the FHSA has been open. It also carry forward. So carry forward amounts accumulate from the year after the year it has been open. An unused contribution room can be carried forward to a maximum of 8,000, which means contribution room is capped at 16,000. So if you open an FHSA in 2023, but don't contribute in 2024, you can contribute 16000 okay? And if you don't contribute in 2023 and 2024, in 2025, you can still only contribute 16000 because it's already capped, not the 24000 Understood. All right, so what kind of property can be a qualifying home? A lot of people are interested in buying condos out there. Yes, so that is a great question again, uh, because there are no caps, in my opinion, in this particular question, is because qualifying home is a housing unit located in Canada, including existing homes and those being constructed. So for examples, if someone wants to buy a single family home, semi-detached home, town home, mobile home, condominium unit, apartment in duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, or apartment buildings, or a share in a cooperative housing corporation, that entitles you to own and gives you an equity interest in a housing unit. So let's look at the three options that we've discussed so far. There's still much to talk about when it comes to the FHSA, but I want to talk about the tax-free savings account, the RRSP, and the FHSA. Are there people out there who, who set up all three? They can set up all three. Sometimes people ask me, what is good, RRSP or TFSA? And my answer is, it also based on your situation. So there is no right or wrong answer. It all depends on what is going to work for you short-term and long-term. Now, RRSP, when you are in the high-income profile, 
when you contribute into RRSP, you will actually be able to save a lot of tax. Once you maximize the RRSP, then you can contribute into TFSA because that also gives you different benefit. And then FHSA, you have to be first homeowner. So if you already own a home, then you don't even qualify. However, your children will qualify because once they're 18 and over, now you can start building the FHSA for them. In five years, they will have $40,000 because each year they have to contribute 8,000 and that $40,000 will allow them to become a homeowner. Can you transfer money from another registered plan to your FHSA? So first, you can only transfer to an FHSA from an RRSP or TFSA, but you cannot transfer from an RESP or RIF to an FHSA. Second, it depends whether the investor has already received a tax deduction for that invested money. And you would have already received a tax deduction for the RRSP contribution. So you wouldn't get another one for money transferred from an RRSP to an FHSA. You cannot get double dip. This is an interesting question, I think. Uh, HBP, the Home Buyer's Plan, how does the FHSA fit in with the HBP? So they are both uh, two separate plans because with the home buyer's plan, you are essentially borrowing money from your RRSP to help buy or build your first home. You can withdraw up to 35000 from your RRSP and your spouse can too. So now it gives you total $70,000. You have 15 years to pay back the amount you withdrew and must start paying it back in the second year after you buy your home. The minimum payment each year is calculated by the CRA as the balance owing divided by the years remaining in the 15-year repayment schedule. So for both, you have to qualify as a first-time home buyer to withdraw your money, whether it's your home buyer's plan or your FHSA plan. And if you and your spouse both qualify, you can use both plans. So it's not just the one or other. So in other words, funds from FHSA and Home Buyers Plan can be used together for the same purpose, and that will give each individual 75000 So 35000 comes from the Home Buyers Plan, and 40000 comes from the FHSA. At what age should someone, in your opinion, him, start thinking about retirement savings? I would say... As soon as you start working, you should start thinking about the retirement saving because time versus the money, there is also a concept. Sooner you start saving, you don't have to save as much as versus you wait until you turn 40, 45. Now you have to save so much to meet your retirement goal. Somebody listening today might be in his or her 50s or 60s. Is it ever too late to start retirement planning? It is never too late. You can always start saving based on your goals and dreams, depending on when you want to retire and what kind of life you want to lead after you're retired. And what if you are, are dealing with debt? A lot of people are dealing with debt right now because of inflation and high interest rates and the high cost of living. How, where do you find the money to start to save for your future when your present says, I need to pay back my debt? It all comes down to being disciplined. And I think uh, we did kind of 
talked about it in the first episode as well, but not to the great expansion. But people need to be more disciplined. And discipline meaning that you need to decide how much you want to put away every single month and then you just choose the date for it. And on that particular date, your money starts coming out. And I also say, once you decide to do that, don't get into that account again because that is getting built for your retirement. It is not the emergency saving. It is not the short-term saving because every account has to be treated differently. You speak from experience. We touched on this in episode one, but I want people who may, this may be the first time listening, they'll go back and listen to episode one, but I want folks to know why this is so meaningful for you. you yours was not an easy path to success. That is true, yeah. So um, as long as, like I said, you understand the concepts and the strategies, you know the rules and the principles, then it becomes easy for you. And I always talk to people about this, especially when I do my seminars and I speak at many different uh, companies as well. But when I talk about it, I would say that when you were playing sports or if you're still playing one, did you start playing without knowing any rules and principles? Because if you, let's say, you don't know the rule of the game and you just start playing, what happens? You lose. <laughs> You're going to lose, right? Or get hurt. <laughs> so that's why we are so competitive when we are playing sports. So why can't we be more competitive when we are building our retirement? That four-letter word debt, though, that's still hanging in there for me. And I know a lot of people are in great debt these days because of many reasons and post-pandemic. How do – is there a way to, to magically or systematically or smartly save for the future and deal with your debt? So first, you need to understand your debt. What kind of debt do you have? Do you have a fixed debt or do you have revolving debt? Because it works differently. When you have a fixed debt, you don't pay a lot of interest in the fixed debt. Uh, but when you have revolving debt, then you pay a lot of interest in the revolving debt. People don't know that. So for example, let's say someone has a credit card to pay and the balance is 3000 and they only make the minimum payments on that $3,000 balance, it will take almost, I would say, about 10 years for oh. them to pay. Wow. Okay? And that also comes with the interest, too. And so that's why you need to know first about what kind of debts you have, and let's look at it. And then once you understand it, then we can dissect that how you can pay which one first, then the second and the third. That's called the debt stacking strategy. And then you can start thinking about your future as well. That is correct. And we've been discussing that. I find it interesting that we worked backward in time in terms of life stages, going from retiring to buying a first home. And we've just about come to the end of our time. Time flies when you're having fun and you're so you're so compelling and interesting. A lot of great information. Maybe you should tell us what we can expect will happen in Episode 3. So Episode 3 will be sometime in April. And uh, April is uh, Autism Awareness, Awareness Month. And also um, there are many other disabilities people are impacted with in the family as well. So my talk is going to be on registered disability savings plan and other funding resources which families can benefit from. Because there are families out there, uh, probably they both are working, which is husband and wife, and then they have to take care of the kids and they also have to take uh, care of the child who has some form of disability. So I think that is going to be a great one because everybody needs to understand 
that what's available out there for them in terms of the tools and resources and provided by the federal government and the provincial and the private companies and so forth. Because not that many people are aware of that. How can people get in touch with you? They're going to want to. So, well, first of all, I would say, though, again, thank you for having me and thank you to all listeners for listening this podcast. And if you guys have any questions, you can reach out to me either on my email. So my email is hem.bat, and uh, the way it's spelled is H-E-M dot B-H-A-T-T at primerica.com. Or you can just reach me at my direct office line, 905-760-0132. This has been exciting and enlightening. Thank you so much, Hem. Really appreciate it. And thank you all for joining us for Episode 2 of How Money Works. If you missed any part of this show, you can find How Money Works wherever you download your favorite podcast. Or you can go to 105.9 The Region, our website, and click on Discovery. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ham. I look forward to our next time together. And thank you all for listening to this edition of How Money Works. Until next time. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.